Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Now, this is pretty exciting because today's show is the kickoff of one of our newest series here at Supply Chain Now, The Freight Insider. So on this episode, we're going to be talking with a major influencer, a leader in the logistics industry. Featured guest has been previously named by DC Velocity Magazine as a logistics rainmaker. He's been named by supply and demand chain executive as a pro to know. And he's been named by one of the big publications in the Southeast Georgia Trend Magazine as one of the top 100 most influential Georgians. He's regularly asked to keynote, sit on boards, give his take on, on industry issues of the day. And we've got him right here for our newest host here at Supply Chain Now, Talking Freight, the Freight Insider. Let's welcome in Paige Ciplon, CEO of Team One Logistics and your host of our newest series, the Freight Insider. Paige, how you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. It's so awesome to be here. It's exciting. We're excited to get this kicked off with you. We are too. I mean, it's been really neat to watch your leadership in action, you know, certainly Thank up you. close and personal, what you've done in Georgia, but but more importantly, across the industry and what you're doing now with Team One Logistics, which we'll touch on momentarily. But so selfishly, it's great to have you here in, in our growing platform to talk about a really important world, which is freight, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, freight's a pretty common denominator, as I like to say, for, for across our economy. And we'll, and we'll talk about that too. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just great to be here. And you're a good friend and a, a good leader in the industry as well. And getting that voice out there for the supply chain, as your brand says, has been cool to watch as well. So. It's been neat. It has been really neat. So before we get to the heavy lifting or the heavy moving, I should say, maybe for this episode, let's get to know, right. <laughs> see what I did there. Let's get to know Paige Ciplon better for the three people that may not know you. So for starters, Where'd you grow up, Paige? Well, being a, well, arguably I haven't yet, but geographically, <laughs> I don't like to do this often, especially being so embedded here now and family-wise here in the Southeast. I'm actually from New York, which I don't talk about much, but proud of it. Was born in New York City, grew up on Long Island in a little town called Southampton out of the end of the end of the island there. And uh, it was a unique experience, you know, being that close to the ocean, being in Long Island, and then, you know, being close to farms and kind of a rural, it was a sort of a tale of two worlds. Uh, Southampton and the Hamptons have, you know, sort of national notoriety for being a opulent community. And that certainly right. happened in the summer times, but in the winter times, you know, I would go sledding on Shinnecock Hills where they played the U S open golf tournament. And, you know, so it was a, it was just a small rural town, you know, 10 months out of the year. And, and then summers uh, certainly changed things. So it was fun. Well, did you ever see any vessels uh, heading to the ports up there, up, up in the Northeast coast. Not out where, not in Southampton where I was, they didn't come in that far, but, uh, they came in closer to the, the Western part of Long Island in New York city and in the ports of New York. But so I didn't, didn't get my taste there. Um, I started when I left Southampton into the Marine Corps and actually became cargo and got shipped around the world around the United States. So, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because not only did you serve in the United States Marine Corps, but you also served in the Air Force and, and, and were fellow Air Force veterans there. So what, right. what was one, one thing about your time in uniform that really sticks out and, and you miss maybe? Yeah, you know, the camaraderie, 
Um, I, we get some of that at being a small industry in logistics and transportation and, you know, meeting good friends like you, Scott. And, but the, that the band of brothers, as we talked about it, uh, certainly in the Marine Corps, I would say also in the Air Force uh, as well, but um, they're, they're just different, right? And I, I miss that closeness that you instantly have because you've all been through something, whether it was just boot camp or whether, God forbid, it was some sort of, you know, armed conflict that you've been through. Those are bonds that, that last forever, uh, we didn't serve together, Scott, but, you know, we've got that common bond that that's special. So, so we've still got that. So I wouldn't say I really miss it, but that day-to-day camaraderie with your teammates and your, and your coworkers quote, quote is, uh, is special. I completely agree. Completely agree. So you've already kind of shared, you said sledding on Chinnacock Hills where they played the U S open. That's gotta be pretty cool. Um, is there any other anecdote you can share before we talk about some lessons learned from the, the pandemic age? What, what else growing up in that neck of the woods really sticks out to you? Well, you know, I wouldn't say it was really that neck of the woods, although it was, it was interesting to live on both sides of that and see, you know, the differences in communities and how different people lived and movie stars that lived there and, and then just regular folks that were plumbers. And uh, my mom and dad were entrepreneurs, were in the food and spice industry and uh, bought and had a company of their own and, and grew that up and sold it. And it was really neat to see and, and work. I, I, Worked in warehouses, moving you know bags of peppercorns uh, that they would sell and package all over the world, tapioca, all, I mean all sorts of stuff. So it was neat to see their entrepreneurial spirit and see them build something into something very successful, uh, and to be part of that and be around it uh, was always interesting to me and, and impressive. So that's not geographical, but that's just you know where my parents came from. So, so I, I got to ask you, I, I didn't know that about your background. So, what is your favorite spice? Wow, that's uh, I don't really have a favorite spice. I'm, yeah. I'm more of a blend guy now. I guess I'm lazy. I don't really mix things. I, I buy them pre-mixed, you know, to put on steaks or chicken and things like that. But uh, there's a lot of great spices out there for sure. <laughs> From pepper, I, I'm 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 envisioning saffron and all these other yeah, spices. <laughs> that's right. Make, yeah, makes the world go around. All that. Yeah, that's right. Spice Amazing. Business. We're going to do another show, dial in on the spice business and, and, and food industry, but we'll save that for uh, another day. I got a bunch of stories for you. <laughs> you do. So uh, moving right along, we, we've talked a lot, you know, as we were prepping for this series and, and just other conversations, clearly as business leaders as, or as anyone, we've all learned a ton from this pandemic mm-hmm. age we've been, we've been fighting through, right? And we're seeing uh, in, in many parts of the country, we're seeing some better numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, Europe, certainly we've seen a rebound over there. So, but we're all in it together. What's been one key lesson learned for you, uh, whether as a leader or as just a, a father and a husband from the pandemic environment? Yeah, I, it's, it's a great question. I mean, it's hard to pin one. So I'll, I'll give you a couple, um, but they all, they're all sort of connected. You know, I so first of all, you know, what I've learned both, both on, I guess these all really, I never really thought about that, both on the, the personal side as well as the, the work side. And also, I guess, being a leader of a company that we're creatures of habit, right? I mean, we've, we've got the way we like to do things. And, and when that gets influenced or changed or totally turned upside down, it's amazing how those, um, what we used to maybe think was monotony and that we were used to having it a certain way really impacts us physically and personally and emotionally. But whether it's work and not being able to come to the office, I'm sitting here in my office. Um, I've been blessed to be able to come back in and use this as sort of my home office um, while everybody else is working from home for the most part. But so, yeah, I mean, having that creature of habit mentality, it's just amazing how much you realize that. And then to the, to the other point of those, those habits that we have, that the small things, and this is probably more on the, 
on the business side, but those small things that we have and that we rely on as, as business leaders and just professionals, those small things really matter, right? Whether it's uh, being able to walk down the hall to have finance pay an invoice or asking, walking into the HR department to ask them a quick question becomes a Zoom call like this or a, you know, a conference call or a long-winded email that you got to send and which can be read wrong. And those small things really matter that, I guess, in the personal communication side, is not a small thing, but it, it really impacts, you know, how we, how we operate and how we run businesses. So um, I guess the last thing would be besides those two is that we are really resilient as a people pick your level of community, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your school, whether it's your company, whether it's your state, or maybe even as a nation, we're, we're really resilient people. And I think this really showed that in our ability to not just get through, uh, but get through together. And then, you know, how do we, how do we leverage what we've been through to, to get even better? Well said, well said. And, and you know, one of the things we talk about a lot here is one of the silver linings through this age is, you know, supply chain and the wonderful people that make up global supply chain are getting some recognition, you know, for right. keeping things moving and protecting our psyche, especially with the explosion of e-commerce as folks were quarantining, still, still being able to get their stuff that they needed. And, and there's, there's a, there's a psychological, uh, element there that really makes you feel a little better when you can at least get your hands on things you need, right? Well, I still smile when I walk into the grocery store this week and I see a, a paper aisle full of toilet paper and paper <laughs> towels and wet wipes and Lysol on the show on the shelves. I mean, it, I mean, it sounds silly to say and we laugh about it, but that was a real thing and that was a supply chain problem. It was more of a supply and demand problem, but that was a supply chain logistics. That was a freight movement problem um, that we had and a production problem, I guess, as well. But but yeah, I mean, so you, you said it, I think the logistics industry, the freight industry has really, unfortunately, had a real good opportunity to, to showcase their importance and their criticalness in everything we do, from getting toilet paper to the shelves of Publix, to getting now, go to the end of the spectrum, getting vaccines to the locations where they can put shots in arms. It, right. Logistics right. is the cornerstone for all of those things. That's right. And speaking, going back to the pandemic and talking vaccines, that's one of the reasons why uh, Europe is seeing that resurgence of numbers because their vaccine distribution, unfortunately, hasn't been quite as effective as what we're seeing right. here in the States. And and so, but, you know, to your point, um, we're hoping that the best practices are shared and, and we can really, as an industry, get better across the board globally and make sure vaccines are available for everyone. Switch gears here a minute. Uh, there's so much we could talk about. Uh, a lot of our listeners may not know your background as much as I have, and, and it, this could easily be a four-hour interview, but we're going to stick to the schedule. <laughs> Let's okay. talk about your professional journey a bit. And, and I know you've done a lot, but what are some, some of the key roles that really helped shape your worldview page? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting ride and a good ride, uh, but it has been a journey for sure. I you know, I, I mentioned Southampton and growing up in the Hamptons and <clears throat> leaving there and, and getting into the Marine Corps and the journey I went on there through the Marine Corps for six years and then into the Air Force for another six years um, doing some very different things, right? I mean, not supply chain really related at all. I did secure data systems and, and then left the Marine Corps and, and got into actual cryptography and applied secure data systems. Um, it did, did space shuttle launches. A lot of folks haven't Heard that actually one of the last space shuttle launches, I, I helped the secure data systems and the cryptography that secured the communications on the last. I've got sitting on my, you can't see it, but sitting on my shelf over there, I've got a, a challenge coin from the, the last space shuttle to go up that I was within 100 yards from with that kind of access. So some real wow. special things to do, but communication, I'll come back to the communication as well, but communication was sort of my focus when I was in the Marine Corps and then in the Air Force as well. 
And then, you know, from there went on, turned down with the kind of clearances I had and the, the technical focus that I, that I was blessed to be trained in and educated in, uh, turned down a couple jobs, had a CIA handler, turned down a job with the CIA, turned down a job with the Defense Intelligence Agency. They wanted me to go to a lot more sandy places than I wanted to go, set up communication systems. So moved on from there and actually, uh, as you would guess, made a turn and actually did sales for gateway computers for a couple years, outside sales. If you remember, age you a little bit, right? But the, the cow boxes and the, they actually had a retail store People even remember retail stores that sell computers besides Best Buy. So I actually went and sold outside sales for, for gateway computers selling electronics. It's good for everybody to have a little sales experience, right? And their background. Yeah, I think everybody should have a little bit of sales experience, whether you're a waitress or a waiter or whether you're selling a product. Uh, it's, a, it's a humbling a humbling experience and not in for everybody. It requires great communication skills as well, but... So from there, you know, leveraging that military experience, um, went and got two different degrees at at Georgia Tech, uh, another great ACC school, right, Scott? (laughs) That's right. And uh, leveraging my military training, got a lot of stuff done. Thankfully, was blessed to be able to get a lot of that done while I was in the military, but uh, finished up a a master's degree in computer engineering, digital signal processing um, at Georgia Tech. Um, Thankful to have that privilege to, to have that degree. But, and really, I mean, now I'm applying that as being a problem solver. That's what really engineers are, are great problem solvers. Um, but so, and then from there, went on to uh, to work with the state of Georgia as their lead consultant, as you mentioned before, and really help them figure out how to grow um, jobs and investment in the state connected to starting off with, with maritime logistics. As many folks know, I was in Savannah for, for quite a long time, worked very closely with the Ports Authority, still Georgia do. Gorgeous city. Uh, it's amazing. Beautiful yeah. cities. From a tourism perspective, I mean, it's pretty incredible. It was a real special place to be able to live and work from and go from to be, to be part of that. But so I worked with the maritime community, uh, evolved that, worked with two different governors, growing that program from maritime security into maritime logistics and then the broader logistics. As you talked about before, it's all, it's all connected into the, what we call today logistics or, or supply chain more broadly. Um, and then was honored to be able to take that and as a strategic industry that logistics is, create six other uh, centers of innovation for the state, help lead those programs as the overall state director, helping those industries, manufacturing, IT, uh, advanced manufacturing, um, aerospace, agriculture, um, helping them create jobs and investment and helping companies really figure out how to work as a business with the business of Georgia. Uh, it was a real honor to be to be a consultant and lead that effort uh, for the state. Did that for um, over a decade and then left there to uh, to go join Team One Logistics to help solve some problems on the workforce side of the world. Gosh, there's so much there. I want to, one follow-up question before we get to sure. your Eureka moments. The Port of Savannah has grown so much, one of the fastest-growing ports uh, in North America, maybe even the world. Do you look back at your time there? I know you always credit everyone else you work with, but uh, it sounds like a lot of what you did and working with a lot of folks were instrumental in ensuring that the Port of Savannah could 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 capitalize on the opportunity that was growing freight market share uh, in that port. I, I no credit at all to me for anything I did with the Port of Savannah. They are they're a machine and they are a well old machine and they run it like a business. Yes, uh, I think that's when we when we do a whole talk around ports and maybe we'll get somebody from the ports on the, the Freight Insider, but. You know, when you've seen one port, you've seen one port, and 
a lot of these governments, nothing against government run entities, but businesses just run them better. And the Port Authority has been run like a private business for a long time and thus the growth. And when they make money, they invest it back into their infrastructure, just like we do with, with our own private businesses. But so, you know, what I did do and I will, I am proud of is being able to educate the rest of the industry to call it that isn't the port about how connected it is. I remember sitting down with trucking companies and my business card said maritime logistics and these truckers and others, railroads would say, I don't have any boats. What, why am I interested in the maritime aspect of logistics? And then it was a very fast conversation to say, well, that freight ain't coming from your backyard. That's coming, depending on where they're bringing it from, from China or Asia or Europe. Uh, it's got to come through the port. But that freight didn't want to come to Savannah just to be in Savannah. Some of it did, but it wanted to go somewhere else. And how does it get there? And that's where this common denominator idea and this ecosystem that I like to call it, that is logistics, to be able to share that and, and connect the dots between those different parts of that ecosystem um, was a very rewarding um, thing to put in people's minds and then let them take it and run with it and create jobs and investment and revenue for their own businesses and their own families, as well as the state of Georgia. Well put. It's, it is fascinating. As someone that I've toured down there a couple of times, and it's just amazing. Anyone that's interested in supply chain or just wants to be blown away with, with an aspect of infrastructure, it is really amazing what they do and how they run it, to your point. Uh, they do run it in such a unique and effective way, uh, wonderful leadership. Let's talk about so, so uh, this, this journey. You've kind of painted a picture for us, Paige. Let's talk about one key eureka moment, either a recent one or one from a while back. What's a powerful Eureka moment you can share with us? About the journey? Yeah, about your over, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned before communication, I, whether people look at me and say I talk too much, um, but I, I think I do a pretty good job and have been able to, through training and through listening to folks like you, Scott, and learn how to communicate more effectively, to be, be able to communicate. Because there's a lot of technical stuff in the things we do in supply chain, for sure not just technical from a technology perspective, just technical and how the process works and being able to explain that and be able to communicate that and connect the dots, those communication skills that I learned. One, I learned early on that no matter what you do, whether it was the sales experience or whether it was working in the military, if you can't communicate your orders and give direction and get people to want to follow you, that communication is, is really critical. You're not, you're not going to get very far. And then coupled that with, again, blessed and lucky enough to have the kind of technical and technology training that I was entrusted with, with the military and then also with the Georgia Tech you know, formal education. Coupling those things together, the technical aspects of what, of what I learned and being able to apply that with some would say good communication skills or the gift of gab was a really powerful thing. So now trying to leverage that. That was a big, big moment for me. And, and I, and I talked to a lot of college graduates, a lot of Georgia tech folks, not as many Clemson people call me um, strangely, but lots of Georgia tech folks. And I'm always willing to take a phone call a to help them with their job search and B to give them. So, Hey, I want to get into the logistics industry. What, what's some important tips. And that's the first one I say is you got to be able to talk to people. You got to be able to communicate. Um, so that, those things together for me um, were part of um my lucky path that I've been able to go down so far. Great advice there. Great advice. Communication skills are certainly, it doesn't matter information age or whatever age we're in. We got to be able to convey that story or position or business case or yeah. what have you. All right. Let's talk about team one logistics. So you serve as CEO of team one and I know y'all have grown dramatically in recent years. 
fulfilling a, a key component in the freight logistics supply chain space. Tell us about what the company does. Yeah, I think just to carry on the theme, this isn't exactly on our website, but we're problem solvers, right? There's a lot of problems that need solving in supply chain and workforce is one of those. So Team One Logistics is a workforce management company. You know, we partner with asset-based transportation logistics companies all over the country. Uh, we have about a thousand employees around the around the nation. I'm not doing anything in Canada or Mexico yet, but we guess we could. Uh, about a thousand employees. Most of them are commercial truck drivers, and they work with our partners. Think of us as sort of a 3PL, right? We're a third-party logistics company that's focused on the workforce side of the business um, to help companies overcome the challenges that that really revolve around the people business that we're all in. Um, finding good talent um, and managing that talent and, and applying that talent to the trucking industry in particular, but to 3PLs, private fleets, warehousing companies perhaps um, is a big challenge. So we've got lots of partners around the country that struggle, uh, that need help solving that problem. And we come in as their as their workforce partner to help them manage those, those problems can be solved. Mm. Gosh, that encompasses so much. And, and you're not quite... Because you're coast to coast, Team One Logistics. You said you're not quite in Canada or Mexico yet, right? 40, 43 states in counting, right? So I'm, I'm trying to get Hawaii. I can't seem to get Hawaii or, or Puerto Rico um, or the Virgin Islands. Uh, not that those are states, but, um, but those, those are the ones I'm lobbying for. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is. It's a very, it's a lot to, to take on. And for companies that have to spend with everything going on, and, and we'll talk about, you know, what's going on in the industry maybe a little bit, but it, that takes 100% of their time and attention. But at the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's, it's a people business, right? So how do you, as we like to say, what we do here at Team One is we fuel people. And that fueling is the care and feeding. It's taking care of them, providing um, all the resources and attention. That also requires 100% of a business operator's time, which obviously that adds up uh, Clemson math, right? That's 200% of their time to... Uh, <laughs> To, to be able to focus on all, all the stuff they got to do to be successful. And so that's where we come in is to help fuel people that literally drive their business. So to let our listeners in on a little inside joke, perhaps uh, you've heard Paige mention Clemson, Clemson several times. I'm a long time Clemson fan, even though I graduated from South Carolina it makes no sense. I know. But uh, so we have, a, we have a nice little ACC rivalry between Georgia tech and Clemson. We always talk yeah. about. So thank you Paige uh, for putting me out there. So let's talk about, as CEO, you know, I think a lot of folks, myself included, we all assume a lot of different things about what CEOs do. One of my favorite questions to ask uh, these senior executives is, you know, what's one component of your role that you love, perhaps, or, or short list of things that you really love the most about your role? Yeah, well, it's a long list. I mean, I really <laughs> enjoy what I do. I really enjoy the people I work with. Uh, that would be the top of the list is being able to work with your teams, if you don't enjoy the people you work with, I mean, you think about it, we spend more time with, when we're actually in the office together, we spend more time with our coworker, co-workers, perhaps, than sadly, than we do with our, our spouses or significant others. So you got to like the people you work with, and, and, I, and I certainly do. I wish they were able to come back here in the office, but we're going to be doing that shortly. You know, the, I'd go back to the problem solving that what I, what I like doing, and the reason why I came on and accepted the role um, to come into team one and do this is, is to help solve those problems. I, I told you a little bit about the things we do for our, for our partners that we work with, but solving those problems, whether it's for the team here or whether it's one of our partners or whether it's, you know, an, an individual employee that's got some challenge either personally or professionally, 
um, that problem solving is really rewarding to me. I love, love digging my teeth into those kind of problems. And, and, and it's also rewarding to be able to make a difference for so many different lives and families um, that trust me to, to help them get there. Right. And uh, it's a humbling, it's a humbling experience. If you've never had to do it and you're doing it, Scott, and uh, for those out there that haven't, it is, um, it's, it's humbling to be, have that responsibility and, and see it work and be entrusted with that, with the families. I, I always talk about, you know, the thousand families that, that we support and uh, without them, we would be nothing. They wouldn't need a CEO um, or any of the leadership we have here that really does all the heavy lifting. Um, not me, but the, the leadership team. And so that, that problem solving. And then I guess the other piece to that sort of collated with it is, is the diversity of people that I get to work with from, especially here at Team One Logistics. And it was also, uh, maybe it was also true at, at the state of Georgia, just less so from truck drivers. And one of my favorite things to do is we have a driver of the year, we have a driver of the quarter, uh, as well as management of the year. And to be able to, I personally have taken on being able to make a phone call of that truck driver, just ask them how they're doing. Um, I don't even tell them my name. I tell my name, but I don't tell them my role, my role or my title because it doesn't matter. And uh, just thank them for what, hey, heard you were nominated for driver of the year. Anything I can do for you? How's it going? How's the family? And just have that kind of conversation with somebody that I normally wouldn't get to talk to is, uh, is very rewarding. Um, just the diversity of types of folks we get to work with. Yeah, I love that. So clearly, it's evident. You love what you do. A lot of passion there. Mm-hmm. Let's. You, you alluded to earlier how we're going to talk about some of the key challenges across the industry right now, and that's exactly where we're going next. You know, beyond what you see and in, in, in all the states and parts of the country you do business in, and but all, also all the conversations you're having with whether it's uh, all the different folks you just you just spoke about. What right. are some of the key challenges you're seeing businesses and, and their leadership being? Uh, challenge with here these days? Yeah, you know, I, <clears throat> we could take it from a supply chain perspective or from a logistics perspective or from a freight perspective. There's a lot of overlap. But I, I would tell you, though, that we're not exempt, right? And we, we obviously have some certain special challenges. And we can talk through those, especially on the demand side. We talked about toilet paper. We talked about vaccines. There's some unique um, challenges that we face as an industry. But I think more broadly, you know, businesses all those logistics ones included are really struggling and, and will continue to struggle with keeping up with the ever increasing rapid pace of change. I mean, everything's, they say the only thing constant is change and that's true, but, but golly, the last year. And unfortunately, I think this next year is, is going to be a year of change as well in different ways, right? I mean, change obviously from the pandemic and trying to refigure out how they're going to run their business and, and, uh, Take care of their their teams and their employees first and foremost. But the um, just the pace of change from a regulatory perspective, what the Trump administration had put in, and all the the sweeping changes that his administration made, and now and being able to keep up with those, good or bad, um, and now with President Biden coming in, just to, the leaders of our country coming in with a whole new set of changes and undoing a lot of the stuff that President Trump did, both good and bad. And how do companies keep up with all that? And what impact is it going to have? Just that pace of change is pretty intense and, and, and sadly can have huge impacts to your business, whether it's a Department of Labor regulation that was one way and now it's the complete opposite way. And, uh, you know, how do you keep up? So that's, that's a challenge that all businesses have, uh, just to name one, keeping up with the pace of change. Agreed. Certainly advantages and disadvantages to the democratic government that we have here. I would add to that, you're kind of speaking to the regulatory, you know, digital transformation and everything is touching. You know, there's no industry right. 
that is that is immune to the driving need for digital transformation. It's fascinating. You know, long ago, Paige, one of the, last, one of the first times we had you on our, our show here at Supply Chain Now, we talked about the the elect, how they added, the acronym is escaping me, how they're, they're, they're tracking mileage in trucks these days. Is no, no, no more written manuals, but how they implemented, what, what's the acronym I'm looking for? Electronic logging devices, ELD. Yes, ELD. Yes. Thank you very much. That was a big regulatory change as well. And those things are now, now so to bring it full circle, we hadn't talked about this. The ELDs are being looked at again, hours of service. What makes sense for as far as how many hours a trucker can safely and should safely be on the road? And then how do you track those? Those are things as in the weeds example, perhaps, but things that are that our industry is dealing with. And that hasn't really changed a whole lot since you and I spoke then. It was it was just coming on board then. It was uh, becoming law that you had to use an electronic device versus a paper log. Right. Uh, that is still the law, but the, the nuance is there. The details matter. Um, those small things matter for sure. They sure do. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, just in that theme of keeping up with change, one of the things that's not really changing because we've had a growing industry for some time, but the demand... Is something that is particularly challenging for supply chain and logistics freight leaders, keeping up with the demand. And so how do you do that? How do you see the opportunity to move freight? Because it is abundant. I mean, you look at some of the, the load boards, and I track this stuff obviously closely. There's a variety of load boards. DAT is one of those. Uh, and they they put out, you know, a truck to load ratio. And Scott, you know this stuff too, but a truck to load ratio. Flatbed trucks, it's like 70 to one, 70 loads per truck. So you talk about a, a buyer's market. Wow. You know, and same thing for reefer trucks, same thing. I mean, that's just the trucking side and warehousing capacity is, is not really uh, available as much as it needs to be. And so we've just got a huge demand problem. So how do companies take advantage of that great problem of, of having that demand out there if, if you're in the freight movement side and, uh, and how do you do that? And even if you're on the freight creation side, um, that's, that's a challenge as well. You got to move that stuff. So that's something very specific. Uh, and, you know, I would also add, you know, the people side, if you're going to have those extra trucks, if you're going to invest the capital to go buy assets to take advantage of some of that demand, they don't drive themselves yet, right? So you got to put people in them. So how do you do that? Um, and again, that's part of the reason Team One was created was to solve that problem uh, for our partners. It's fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating. And and so. I love your how you added yet, because right around the corner and, you know, that corner is getting shorter and shorter robotics delivering drones delivering we'll, we'll see autonomous trucking is an interesting one because we've been hearing we've been thinking we we're going to turn a corner for quite some time but but yeah setbacks here and there but it's a, it's a fascinating time to live in supply chain just despite the current challenges it, it really it's neat to see the advancement it's very i'm very grateful for the recognition of the folks that make it happen and gosh we're learning to solve those problems that you're alluding to in mm -hmm. creative waves using you know, folks from different walks of life that bring a new perspective, which is so valuable too. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, so well, I, the last thing I was going to say just on, you know, stuff out of the, the people are struggling with is, is just getting back to normal. Right. And I hate the phrase new normal because that, that's so broad because not everybody needs a new normal, right? They're, they're, whether it's automation or digital technology or not being able to not having to come back to the office. Some companies are going to transform potentially 180 degrees from the way they used to operate. And that is a new normal, but not every company, not everybody is going to have a new normal, 
right? And but getting back to that normal, Winston Churchill said, "Don't uh, don't let a good crisis go to waste." And I think that's the perspective that all businesses need to take. Don't just assume they should go back to the way it was because that's the way it was. How can we take this crisis that we've been now through, hopefully? Uh, again, not out of the woods yet, but I think we're getting real close. But take this crisis that we're in and gotten through and be able to leverage that and, and bounce forward, right? Not just, uh, and what and that's going to be different for every company and every leader really needs to think about that. If they're not, then they're going to uh, probably fail. Right? Yeah. Well said. Future work and pandemic and non-pandemic related, right? Because exactly. trends were, that's before right. we entered the pandemic age, things were already changing dramatically. So Something that'll else. be a interesting thing to put our keep our finger on the pulse of all right before we move i want to change gears once again here there's so much we want to talk about I, that space shuttle thing still <laughs> that you shared I, I didn't know that either uh we're gonna have to have, to have a new show for that get you and kevin l uh, jackson together you know he was part of uh a program to send a satellite to pluto so who, who knows we have two rocket scientists space uh, well i didn't have nothing to do with the science i just made sure they could talk to each other so. that's right all right, so let's let's talk about content, right? Because we're in a content-rich environment right now, which is a great, a really neat thing, neat component to the information age. But you know, you're you're not new to creating great, engaging content, and I know you're as as evidence with some of your earlier answers. You're very humble, but you know the, the logistic snapshot that the state of Georgia puts out that, that it's consumed by so many people that offers state and regional and even national the data. You know mm-hmm. that. Originated with you during your time, the Georgia Logistics Summit, which is kind of in a different iteration right now. I mean, that, that started right. with a, I think, page a couple hundred people. Was, that's right. Yeah, it was a couple hundred people at lunch, and was when we when we uh, had its last hurrah at its at its original format. We had it was the largest supply chain conference in the in the country, bigger than CSCMP. We had close to three thousand people attend. So it was, wow. it was quite something. I, I would say that you're right. Content is, is key and being able to communicate whether that's verbally or in writing, taking a complex situation like that and breaking it into its parts. Those are this, this the snapshot that we did um, was a, a example of putting all that together into really showcasing that ecosystem of all those parts. And the summit was the same thing. How do you bring railroads and, and freight and the ports and trucking and technology and ELDs and all the stuff that people didn't even know were needed at the time uh, put them all into one basket and uh, and have a conversation around it. Yeah, agreed. And thank you for reminding me of that pesky acronym. I couldn't quite put my put my <laughs> thumb on, but it really is it's remarkable. And and I would add to that, not just communicating, but allowing the relationship building from all those parties you mentioned. It really was a um, a well done thank initiative. You. And and uh, I think the next one, you know, by, by the time this publishes, the next one here for 2021 will already be held. But as you mentioned, it's, it's had a you know kind of a it's in a different age right now. And, mm-hmm. and I think, direction. yeah, that's right. It's new fun. direction, new leadership, but in-person events in general right now, holy cow, that is a tough landscape to be in. But nevertheless, back to the core, it's creating that content, that content that engages and informs and folks are better off by consuming it. You know, it's nothing new for you. So what I'm really excited about is with the, the Freight Insider, you're, you're going to have an opportunity to do that all over again with some great guests it's like we have this white open canvas and we're sitting with Pablo Picasso of the freight industry right here. And so I'm really that? excited. <laughs> I'm really excited to kind of see where you take it, but what, what do you initially hear? What, what can folks expect from this new podcast series? 
Well, I first tell you that we're trying to do something different, right? And I can promise you if, that it will be, right? So there's a lot of, I mean, you mentioned the snapshot, there's a lot of great other organizations and even other hosts on your program that talk broadly about some of the challenges that the, that the logistics and supply chain industry face. And, and that's fine. So we don't want to be something, another one, right? And we are going to have some really compelling guests, but really the Freight Insider is taking it from the folks that actually are in the business of freight and we're, we're giving them, our viewers and our listeners, really a, an inside look at that business of freight and some really unique stories about how some of that freight is moved and how it connects. Uh, the personal journeys, um, excited to be able to share some of my journey with you, but similar sort of format, getting the journeys of some of these supply chain leaders and freight leaders where they've come from. But, you know, freight, as I mentioned before, is that common denominator to this complicated math problem we call our economy. Every business, we talked about toilet paper and vaccines, just the name of a couple, every business is impacted by freight, but how they're impacted um, varies so much. And those are the kind of folks we want to get um, on, our, on our program and, and just hear their stories. You know, some companies in the freight industry exist just to move it, trucking, rail, ports, um, others track it, monitor it. So that's more of a technology play. And you've got other great hosts that will we'll pair up with to talk about, you know, freight tracking and how it impacts and what their journeys have been. Um, some actually create the freight. So the manufacturing side, some others rely on receiving it. Companies, great Georgia companies like Home Depot, for example, rely on receiving freight and, you know, they wouldn't be a business um, without it. Technology, right? <laughs> and then, uh, and then some others share it with consumers, right? Think Publix and uh, I mentioned in my toilet paper story, but um, freight's complicated, exciting. I, I think freight is a sexy industry and we've got some really cool creative stories and some really great people that, um, really the inside, you know, really opening that door to the business of freight again, freight transportation rates and load ratios and all the great stuff, but there's a lot of great experts out there. that are a heck of a lot smarter than I am that are going to be sharing those stories as well. We wanted to have those more intimate conversations that inside look about the impact that freight has on their particular businesses. And, well, and I would also add, not just Georgia, this is, this is a national effort. Um, so we'll be bringing people from around the country. I think now someone calling for that inside look on the freight Might be, I, I don't know. Somebody's watching this podcast already. We're not even, <laughs> not even published. So, you know, there's so much we, we covered today. There's so much more we couldn't get to. So we'll save those for that for future conversations. Let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and, and the team at, at Team One Logistics because you know, walking, I can't, I can't, you can't say walking encyclopedia anymore because it's such a dated, you know, I'm sure we'll have some folks. That's almost an insult at this point. Right. But you're really a walking knowledge center. Wikipedia? Yeah, Is there you a, go. Wikipedia yeah, for it's all more, things. That's the encyclopedia of today. <laughs> so how can folks connect uh, with you and, and learn more about uh, uh, what you're doing at Team One Logistics? Well, yeah, I mean, our website, team1logistics.com, just spelled all the way out, is, is probably the best single point to get information about our company if, if you're interested and want to learn a little bit more about what we do. But, but more importantly than that, I mean, the reason we're here with you is so that we can talk about, you know, how we get those stories out. And, you know, we'll, we'll, you'll be hearing more about the Freight Insider, but to connect with us, just the Supply Chain Now website and all the millions of ways that you connect with, uh, with your listeners and your viewers, Scott, is they'll be able to find us there too. Awesome. Well, we can't be more excited. The team's Thank been you. talking about this for quite some time. And to be able to, you know, it's one thing to, to launch any new series. It's, it's always exciting. But to launch it with, with Paige Sipline and, and your team, it makes it even that much more special. So looking forward to creating more compelling content all about freight. 
with one of the folks that one of the gurus in the industry. So Paige Cipollon, CEO of Team One Logistics and host of the Freight Insider here at Supply Chain. Now, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. So to our listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I'll tell you some more questions I want to ask Paige. We'll save that for future shows. Hey, if you enjoy conversations like this, be sure to find us at supplychainnow.com. That's where you're going to be able to find the Freight Insider uh, episodes, and you're going to not want to miss those. we got some big-time guests joining Paige as they talk, as they get, get those stories about freight and, and the supply chain industry and, and the journeys involved there. So stay tuned for that. Hey, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton signing off for now, wishing you all nothing but the best. Hey, do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.